Hi, I'm Britt Vasacek. I'm the host of Poly You Want a Podcast. I'm not a professional counselor, nor am I a professional polyamorous person. Poly you Want a Podcast is a collection of stories, opinions, and perspectives about the polyamorous lifestyle. The voices you hear, including the host, offer their subjective interpretations and don't intend to convince you or shame you. We're just letting you into our vulnerable and complicated little worlds. Brought to you by the Mockingbird Network. Hi, I'm Britt Vosicek. This is Polywana Podcast, a polyamory podcast, which we are today recording from a closet. I'm here um, with my best friend and pseudo-life coach um, and super great guy, Jonathan Walker. Say hi, Johnny. Hey there. Uh, today, we're going to talk about um, my feelings only. We're going to talk about um, two back-to-back breakups that I had very recently, and I'm going to vent about them to hopefully give you an understanding of what it's like um, for a relationship style that you probably think is totally fantastical and amazing and just full of love and sex. Um, And we're going to get it all out of my system, so I stop talking about it to strangers that don't care. Yep. I have a unique forum here, and I'm just going to shit on it. I think oh, that's that's a good way of looking at it, honestly. <laughs> so for a little bit of perspective, we are literally in a four-by-five closet, about half of which is taken up by clothes and boxes. So it's really like a two-by-five space. I have never felt more comfortable. It's really nice, actually. Normally, I, we record at the Mockingbird Network studio, um, but today, in the interest of time and scheduling... We decided it would be fun to camp out in a closet. And it's actually, I, I like it. It's cozy. Mm-hmm. It feels very on brand for me. It smells like me, but yeah, that, like that that's, not a, that's mm, not a bad thing, yeah. honestly. Meats, lots yeah. of meats. Whoa. Like the stem of a grape. <laughs> I'm catching a little. Oh, yeah. A, hint, yeah. a hint of mint and. Mm-hmm. Very small amount of mint. <laughs> Man. I have an excellent sense of smell. I see that. You know that your sense of smell, you know how like it perks up when you're pregnant? Also perks up when you're menstruating. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's and it's not, co- not everyone does it, but I do. I have ex- like a great sense of smell when I'm menstruating. That's. Yeah. So that's one of two reasons that I skip yoga when I'm on my period. <laughs> I can, I can imagine our listening audience uh, thinking that I'm a lot more uncomfortable with that information than I actually am. Just so everyone knows. Yeah, for, the, for those listening at home. Could not care less. This is actually, like, this is coffee conversation. Pretty much. And I. Just like breakfast, whatever, <laughs> any kind. Um, all right, so enough pussyfooting about. So let's talk. Let's talk about it. Let's get this out there. So I think you said something at the beginning that was really significant, and that is that... This lifestyle, by necessity, or, or by definition, features more frequent breakups. Mm-hmm. You have more partners. So or or rather, rather, I should say, you're more likely to experience more frequent breakups just, just because of the mm-hmm. simultaneous nature of your relationships. At any point, you're more likely statistically to go through a breakup. And that's not something that most people think about when they're first getting into it. And they start piling on the partners and they're like, woo, All I'll, my have, needs are being I'll met. have a little I'm a of magic you goddess person. and a little of you and a little side of you. So I, I think um, especially for the 101, 
series, I think this is a really important topic to touch on because uh, it's definitely one of the biggest downsides of being poly. Yeah, I would put it up there. I, I mean, it's all up to perspective what you what you think is a downside. Um, but I think for me, because I hate ending relationships, I'm like the queen of ghosting um, and I'm working on it. But I do find myself breaking up a lot. Normally as is the case with the story that we'll hear today with monogamous people that think that they're okay with polyamory and then aren't. And that's even harder than like a poly person who's super self-aware and like knows what they need being like, Oh yeah, I don't think this is working. Bye. Yeah. You know? Um, so it is pretty rough. There are a lot of breakups. I see a lot of breakups. Um, but I also see a lot of really lovely relationships. So sure. I do think it outweighs. I think it's worth the struggle. Which is what what makes me Polly, probably. Well, we'll. Uh, I think we should come back to that at the end because I feel like we're gonna we're gonna wade through a lot of muck today. Uh huh. We're gonna talk it out, man. But I really appreciate that. That's your perspective. That even in the midst of this breakup, even as shitty as you feel right now, and and I can see visibly like you are you are really quite upset about what's going on. For those on. listening at home, yeah, this is like a raw. It's like a this hot isn't like a for mess fun thing. Of, yeah, no, you but. Know. But I appreciate that it's your perspective that even in the midst of this, you still feel that your your polyamorous lifestyle is a net positive. That's that's pretty powerful as well. Yeah. So I would like to Hopefully. like to have that kind of be the centerpiece of the conversation we're about to have. Is that for those of you that are listening that are new or considering the lifestyle, this isn't us warning you away from it. This is just us doing doing you the favor of being honest with you about it. And I think the most important part for me is to take everything that's happening in my life and turn it into content so that I get very little out of it emotionally, but a lot of out of it um, content wise. That's a joke, everyone. Sorry. (laughs) I just want to totally exploit every experience I have for the entertainment of others, if that's okay. That's very altruistic of you. Yeah. So thank you to the audience for allowing me to do that all the time. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, so I met a monogamous man. We're gonna call him Ron mm. because although he will probably never listen to this podcast, I do talk to his um, to people that know him often. So I don't want to like throw him under the bus. Okay. I do want to physically throw him under a bus, but <laughs> not like the metaphorical social. Sure. Bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are fates worse than death. <laughs> One of them is pissing off a comedian. Oh um. yeah, um, or Taylor Swift. Or if Taylor Swift did stand-up. Um, so Ron hit on me at a bar, mm-hmm. got my number, had no idea what he was getting into, very tall, super sexy, um, lives, and here's the deal lately. I've been accidentally dating guys that live with their parents a lot. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Those millennials, though. Uh, well, the thing, yeah, <laughs> not only the millennials, because as Ron was a millennial, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a very structured and traditional upbringing. So all of the kind of self-awareness and like, um, Facebook style, like, um, I don't know what you would call it, like social justice, like the kind of stuff that we know is common knowledge about like consent and sex positivity and homosexuality. Those aren't things that he had a good reference for. Sure. And I don't know if that's because he lived with his parents or because of the way his parents raised him. Um, but he also wasn't super open to correction. 
so red flag right mm-hmm. um and my mom's like gay as shit so he started like kind of gay bashing a little and i was like oh no 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 and i'm half gay on my mom's side mm-hmm. i'm bisexual for those <laughs> in the audience that aren't aware um and so i did a little educating on that and so we were seeing each other i was like driving all the way out to sugarland to go see him at his parents house but here's the deal his mom cooked dank ass food for us all the time okay so that was a plus i'm making a list of pros and cons here yeah so so far we've got homophobic kind (laughs) of sexist uh gay bashing Mm -hmm. but yeah, lots of great food. Lots of great food. Okay, um, so it seems it's we're we're kind of we're kind of neck and neck right now. Yeah, for those of you who don't know my relationship with food, <laughs> like put a lot of points in that basket because that's an important one. Mm-hmm. So I um so I was going out there a lot at the time that I met this guy. I was also dating another guy who lived in Sugarland, who lived with his parents, who was significantly older, and a lot more um of the type of guy I'd like to be with, but. Uh, and I would I considered him my primary at the time, but things were kind of slipping up because he was getting a little possessive. Um, and then when I started seeing Ron, this was the first time that my primary had to deal with an actual secondary mm. rather than just me kind of like sleeping and dating around. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. And his capacity for that was very small. And I was going through a lot in my life outside of my relationships. And so I kind of ditched my primary not because I wanted to break up with him, but because I couldn't handle a primary anymore, I realized. Um, and then Ron, this homophobic guy, started to sort of spend more time with me out of necessity because he was helping me a lot. And acts of service was his love language. Not that he knows that, but he, you know, like there was a lot. I I moved from an apartment into another apartment. And then the guy that I moved into that apartment with became really like aggressive and uncomfortable to the point where I was kind of scared um, for my consensual safety, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I had, so I moved within like two days twice and Ron helped me with that. Uh, and my primary was kind of nowhere to be found in that situation. And so that kind of helped me make the decision. But then I got kind of attached to Ron and I was crying a lot and I needed a lot of cuddles and he like carried me everywhere. Um, so real, real quick before <laughs> we jump ahead, um, you said your primary was no nowhere to be found during that. Was that? I just want to be clear on like the dynamic of y'all's relationship. At the yeah, time. no, so I would love to talk more shit about him for sure. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, because you had mentioned you had mentioned kind of backing off a little bit, right? Yeah. And 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 feeling like you weren't in a place to have a primary partner mm-hmm. at the time. So was him being out of the picture? A combination of the two of you contributing to that, or was that all? Was that more him, or more you, or I? I just for my own sake because I don't know this. Yeah, I'm well, curious. the audience doesn't know either. Sure. Um, I think it was I was in need of a lot. From, if I was gonna have a primary partner, there were expectations that I had because I'm I like being solo poly, mm-hmm. and solo poly means that you don't really have a primary; you're kind of your own primary, and I was making a lot of sacrifices in that area to have a primary and because he was monogamous to begin with not that he wasn't great at being poly and learning he didn't uh, he didn't really appreciate how much that took out of me um and it made me and in a time when I really needed a lot of support it made me feel like um I was giving up a lot and not getting a whole lot back and I didn't want to put him through bumping him down a slot or um having to deal with polyamory 
anymore. You know, like I felt like things wouldn't be very realistic moving forward. And th- those the, those were the things that were going through my mind and in conversations that I had had with him, I guess we'll call him Chuck, um, when I had to move twice. And Ron was helping me a lot and Chuck wasn't and Chuck and I were fighting and it felt like um, it just wasn't worth everything that I was putting into it. And it also felt like it looked to me as if Chuck wasn't getting enough either. And that made me feel guilty. And so I, that's when I kind of like dropped everything. I was like, fuck this. Like (laughs) we both got to go, you know, sometimes you don't know what's best for yourself. And I think Chuck didn't know what was best for himself because he was kind of like blinded by my huge tits, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as are we all. (laughs) Uh And he was like, yeah, you know, this, these are my needs. They're being filled. And you know, all we're doing is like watching TV and eating Oreos all the time. Like that's not a relationship, you know, not for me. And that's not really, you know, we weren't very compatible, but. All right. So as, as, as much as I can, I want to turn this into kind of a learning experience for the audience. So mm-hmm. looking back on, so let's. Yeah. Take your girl out every once in a while. No, okay. I'm okay. But what, um, as far as Chuck is concerned, because I, I very, very heavily subscribe to the notion that the only thing that we control is our own behavior mm-hmm. and that everyone else in our life is, we can influence them, but we can't. We're ultimately not held responsible for the actions of other people. So looking back on that situation, what do you think you could have done differently? Or, or would you have done anything differently? I mean, I know this is still really recent for you. This is still really fresh, and I don't want to... Oh, well, also, I'd like to tell you, the back-to-back breakups that we're going to talk about today, mm. Chuck isn't involved. This oh. is still oh. the setup for my relationship. Oh! Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, because okay. this, this breakup with Chuck happened... Like a few months ago. And these back to back breakups happened last week. Okay. So this is this we're laying the foundation the, for Ron. This is right like now. inception, man. Like yeah. we're we're only in the first layer. Uh-huh. We're about of to go into a the breakup of dream. And then okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. But I do think here's what I could have learned from Chuck and the breakup and the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um is he was very super understanding. Okay. And I do kind of regret treating him as a resource um Hmm. because he's a human being okay but i also think i knew that we weren't gonna i knew while we were navigating polyamory that i was a solo poly kind of person and that he needed more than that and i think i just overstrained myself so much and then I was like, oh, well, I overstrained myself this much. I must be making a really good investment. I should probably wait for the payoff. Um, so I should have either not made that investment and just been realistic with myself or been more patient with the payoff. Um, but I think with all the circumstances going on, I wasn't even thinking about any of that. You know, I sure. was kind of in survival mode and just, you know, pushing people away, which is a personality flaw, not a relationship flaw. It just sounds like there was a a mismatch of needs it sounds like he needed things that you either weren't in a position at the time to satisfy or just don't naturally satisfy just you as you are and and likewise for him um okay yeah as it goes as as it can i mean more often than not you're going to find people that there's a mismatch there but anyway i'm sorry i didn't mean to no it's good this is good flushing it out sure um and so ron and i eating tacos, hanging out with his parents all the time. We accidentally started spending more time together and we would bring up Polly a lot because I really wanted to make it work polyamorous wise. 
Um, and I felt like I could, even though I should have learned from Chuck that converting monogamous men doesn't work, especially for me, because if I'm going to be solo poly, I can't also invest all of me into making someone feel secure enough to be ready. Sure. Uh, but the sex was so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> the sex was so bomb. And um, unfortunately, I'm a very shallow person. I'm starting to see, like, <laughs> these few. You remind me very much of my partner, which is that she's she's like a Sims character. You know, you a Sims character have all the bars that you have to fill. Mm-hmm. And, and, and hers are so heavily weighted towards feed me. And have sex with me. Yeah, feed me and fuck me. That's and, all I need. And like, tell me I'm, tell me I'm cute. And as long as those, what, oh, and sleep. Okay, so no, it's food, fuck, and sleep. And as long as those three criteria are met, she is just happy as a clam. Yeah, um, her and I have a lot in common. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's but, really all I need. So what I'm also hearing though is that you tend to put up with stuff. I'm not going to categorize that, but you tend to s- put up with suboptimal partners. If they meet, if the dick is bomb, okay, all right, so we can, we can, yeah, yeah we can if go the there. Dick is bomb. All Although right. I can't say with Chuck the sex was that great. I think we more we had like a really good friendship. Mm-hmm. I think what I do is I romanticize a category of a person, mm-hmm. and then I just slather it all over their flaws until eventually, like my tears wash them away, and I realize. I think that's more common than than not. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I think that okay. All right. So the sex was really good. We were spending a lot of time together, but he would not talk about polyamory with me. I kept breaking up with him and trying to get him to leave, you know, and I was like, we can't do this. This is, it feels dishonest for me. We had this kind of like, he's like, you know what? I get that you sleep with other guys. I just don't want to know about it. And for me, that's a worse hell than anything because I really want to share it with people. I really want to have someone that I can share my experiences with. That's why I'm fucking polyamorous, Ron. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I tried to express that to him all the time and we were fighting a lot about it. Uh, and then he, so, okay. So my dad died. That happened. Yeah. Like pretty recently, a couple weeks ago. And I went to Los Angeles to visit, um, a friend and my phone got, um, stolen and then no one could tell me that my dad had died because they couldn't get a hold of me. And it was a huge tragedy. And then I came back um, to Houston, still didn't know my dad was dead, and my car got broken into. Someone smashed in my passenger window and stole a backpack full of most of my clothes, and it was sad. And then this other guy I'm kind of seeing walked me through a panic attack, and it was the bomb. We'll talk about him on another episode because he's mm-hmm. fucking great. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, I in this same like week, my tires were really bad, and they were like about to go flat. And uh, Ron works on cars. So there was a night he came over and he was in my driveway fixing my window because it had been broken. He went and got me a window, which was like a huge weight off my shoulders. And while he was doing that, I got a mess a Facebook message from my uncle telling me about my dad. And so like I come out to the driveway, he's fixing my window. I'm like, oh my god, my dad died. So he helps me through that. And then like I think a couple of days later, we get my tires fixed. Um, and so I give him money for the tires and he changes them. And all of this stuff was like so supportive and necessary. And I kind of was going through this sort of shift where I was like, maybe I want to be with this person and maybe I can be a little more relaxed about how I feel about polyamory, which is not something I ever make a compromise about. Go. So 
I am seeing this other guy. His name is Dan. Not really, but for the purposes of this podcast, his name is Dan. This relationship is super, super casual, but I'm really into him. He met me online a year ago on OkCupid. And then I I was a nude model at that time. And we added each other on Facebook. And so he saw some nude photos of me. And he was like, gotta fuck it. And uh, <laughs> as they often do. <laughs> and uh, I could kind of tell he was sort of a fuckboy. Like a major fuckboy. And he's like 28. Like, calm down. Um, you should know better. But he's really hot. Like, he's a model. Like, mm-hmm. literally, he gets paid to just have abs. And that's not my type at all. And, like, it's never been my type. But I guess I was going through that really shallow time where, like, also I wanted to date Ron because his dick was bomb. So, uh, and I was recovering from Chuck or whatever. So, I did, I invited him out to meet me. Uh, And this was the first time we met in a year, but we had seen each other on Facebook all the time. So, it felt kind of like we knew each other. And we got talking and we hit it off, like, a lot. Like, he wasn't just a fuckboy. He was my fuckboy. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I can't believe I just said that. Kill me. Um, and so, and we talked like all night and it was so romantic and cute and I got like super wasted and we were like bar hopping and I learned so much about him and he's like a really deep guy, even though he's like superficially hot and I was super into it. And then we like, were in his car and this is the move that won me. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, this is like some romantic comedy shit. We were sitting in his car and he was about to give me a ride home, I think. And then he like leans over and kisses me oh so romantic and then he's like uh-oh and then he kisses me harder and we're like making out and he puts his arm around and you know how those seats have like those like like switches that can recline you like yeah. so he like just like reclines me super slow like with a zzz, you know and it was like so smooth and i was like well i gotta reward him for that behavior mm-hmm. um so we didn't <laughs> sleep together that night uh but i felt like i was in a rap video so i had to go back and see him again and so um, I went to Dan's house and he has this really big bathtub, which if I were a sim, bathtubs would also be on my list of needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had jets in it and it was huge. And I'm really tall for the listeners at home. So it's really hard for me to find a bathtub that my knees can go underwater in. And I found it. And we had a lot of really great sex in that bathtub. And we, so we fucked this one time with the bath bomb in it and then it made my vagina all weird and I'm still recovering because <laughs> it gave me some kind of like weird, like not yeast, but like bacterial situation. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it's it's good. No, it's good flavor. It's good flavor for the story. I like it. I'm sure our listening audience appreciates it. Yeah, so. super intimate. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, my badge is a little weird right now. So we were, you know, doing all that. And one day we're watching HDTV, which is all he watches. He's such a catch for a monogamous girl. Like, he watches HGTV. He's a homeowner. He has a great relationship with his mom. Um, But the way that he behaves with me is just this just sex kind of relationship, which I made it clear I don't want because I do polyamory for romance. But also, for a fat girl to, like, be on top of a guy with abs and him to, like, grab my muffin top, like, it's the sexiest thing he's ever seen. Like, I can't just turn that away because then all the bullies that ever called me fat just, like, you know, a disaster happens in their life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so the sex was too bomb and I got really into it. And then one day he walks out of his walk-in closet with a brick of weed and he's like, I'll be right back. And that's how I found out that this guy was a drug dealer (laughs) and no wonder he's doing so well financially. (laughs) Um, and he's like 
almost 30 anyway. I'm not that there's anything wrong with that. I just here's here's my problem with that is that mm-hmm. soon marijuana is going to be legal. And so economically, it will not be feasible for someone whose primary purpose is to provide an illegal service. Yeah. So it's not a very good investment career wise is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, it's not about the debauchery of drug dealing. It's not about that. It's about how maybe you should be looking for some other options because we're about to lose that option. OK. Economically. Anyway. So, um, so all of this is happening at once. Um, and those are like, you know, all the pros and cons of the relationships. So after the break, um, we're going to hear from our sponsors and then we're going to talk about how everything fell apart because life is an endless hellscape and I will never deserve happiness because of the lifestyle that I've chosen. That's pretty much what I was going to say. I'm glad you broached that because it would have sounded like a really, really dickish coming from me. So. Yeah. So we'll be right back after the break. I'm Britt Vasacek with Polywanna Podcast. Are you interested in polyamory? Do you even know what polyamory is? You can tune in to Polywanna Podcast. We interview comedians, counselors, and regular people to get a peek inside of the world of open relationships and ethical non-monogamy. I'm really fascinated by the conversations that I have with these people, and I'm really excited to share those conversations with you. You can find Polywanna Podcast at Vullabrit.com or at the Mockingbird Network. Welcome back from the break, everybody. Say hi, Johnny. Hello. We missed you so much. We We actually, I know this probably sounds like a fake made up thing, but we took a break and he hugged me. I did. And he said, Britt, you are such a strong and large-breasted woman. And I admire you for the way that you deal with grief. Verbatim. Yep. And verbatim. I also (laughs) mentioned how badly I feel for your lower back problems later in life. And in, you know. And my shoulder, my shoulders are always in pain all the time and I get knots all around my titties. And so a good, uh, this is fun information for those of you who are applying to be a partner of mine. Um, I often let my partners massage my tits because the knots are so unbearably painful and I'm not going to let some stranger masseuse get in on that action. So a very, very, very close family member of mine had breast reduction surgery and Mm -hmm. it's like the single best thing that ever happened to her like she i consider it, I, I if i do it i'll wait till after i have kids but i think about it all the time mm-hmm. okay so anyway so another thing that we were talking about <laughs> uh enough about during my no 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 titties. during during the break during the break i mentioned that i think it is uh remarkable that you have gone through everything you've gone through for the last week or or month couple or weeks, couple yeah. weeks um and decided to make a podcast episode about it because most people, myself included, would want to crawl inside a hole. And from what I can tell, the last few weeks you haven't even slowed down. You've you've just oh, carried well, that's on not with true. Well, but I slowed down a little in in, in relative terms, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't. There's there's always going to be an impact, but I think it's remarkable that you've kept up your momentum and that you're still making things and you're still trying to find ways to reach people and and as you say you know exploit every no no good tragedy should go to waste. Oh. I, I That's a good motto. I appreciate that about you and especially because you kind of remind me people tell me all the time that I handle grief poorly and that I don't know how to open up, I don't know how to like cope with it and yeah. all that they're really saying is you don't deal with grief the same way that i do or the same way that we see on tv and yeah. i say fuck that um and the same with with every other part of my life i handle my life the way that i handle my life 
um, and it works for me, and I'm glad to see that it's working for you. Um, anyway, that's that's all I'll <laughs> say about that. No, thank you. I do, I do, I, f- I feel like I really owe it, because I did the first couple of days after I found out my dad died, I did kind of do like a crawl in a hole thing, and I needed that, and it was good, and I cried it out. Um, but my father was so supportive of me, and he and I both have a great sense of humor, and I know that what he would want is for me to do the same if not better you know from the experience and I know that he would not he's you know very like do you Brit no more so than anyone so it is really important to me not to use his death but to constantly like not forget about it and not push it to the bottom of my feelings but to keep it right on the surface where it will be probably for the next couple of years you know I'm not gonna not mention this huge thing that affected who I am and changed the way I look at life I think it's important that I talk about it. And it affected a lot of other parts of my life, including my relationships. Um, so I don't, I want to like, that's my memorial to him is not forgetting about him and not not removing him from my mind or my dialogue. So hopefully you're happy, asshole. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm sure he's thrilled. Yeah, he's the best. So um, speaking of dead dads, am I right? So, um, so I was with, Hold on. What are their pseudonyms? Uh, Ron and Dan. So I was with Ron when I found out about my father and he was super supportive. And he, through the whole process, was like feeding me and being super nice to me. And I needed that support so much from him. And I'm such an independent person that I don't admit when I need it. And he was just always right there. Uh, And then one night... You know, I was seeing Dan at this time every now and then, you know, but because I had a don't ask, don't tell with Ron, I wasn't telling Ron about it. uh, And I hated that. And then um, Dan's kind of perspective on all of this was that he was okay with me being polyamorous, but he wasn't sure if that was really his thing. And Mm -hmm. so he agreed that like we would kind of see where things went, you know, and he didn't mind being a secondary And so Dan was super cool about that, but we didn't talk about it in other relationships, not because he didn't want to hear about it, but because he, like, we just weren't on that level yet, you know, in his mind, which was fine. Um, But then it came to pass one night, uh, Ron wanted to come over and I had invited him over, but then my friend Angel came back into town from a trip that he was on. So I went out for drinks with Angel instead and I was like, hey, Ron, I'm going to go out with my friend. And he was like, oh, so you're going to go see someone else instead of me? Uh, <laughs> and at that point, he didn't even know that, that someone else was a guy. He was just kind of being a dick. Um, and he broke up with me right then and there over text message. And I didn't really see it as a tragedy <laughs> at it, that it, point. It sounds, and I don't know the guy, but it sounds like he was looking for a reason. Or, or, or I think he, he was waiting for the he, time he I chose leapt, someone over him. He leapt at the first opportunity to break things off with you is what, is what I'm hearing. Well, I here's my, and this maybe just because I'm so prideful, I tried to break up with him all the time. I was always like, you are not ready for one, a woman like me, and two, a relationship like this. And he wasn't. Um, but I think he did, I think you are right in that he it never like Polly hadn't ever gotten in the way of us yet because I'm already so busy with work. I was being very careful about what I told him when I didn't. And I was suffering a lot for it, but 
he had never had to like hear me say like I'm going out with another person right now so and I wasn't in that situation but that's how it felt to him and so I think he was like okay well then fine that's it you know you're choosing someone over me like that's all that he needed to hear uh, and sometimes that's all it takes. That's how Chuck and I got into trouble because I was choosing Ron over him in situations in which Ron was helping me more than Chuck was. And so Chuck was like, oh, well, I just want to be chosen. I just want to be chosen just once. Like he said that so dramatically, like I choose you every day. <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But so so Ron bails like when I need that support the most. And I assume that it is kind of an attack and he's waiting for me to kind of come crawling back. But the thing about me being poly as fuck is that I can get my needs met, you know, sure. and I don't need to deal with that petty bullshit of like chase me because um, I want to break your heart. So I go, I hang out with Dan. Um, this is the day before my father's memorial, which is difficult for me in itself and I'm constantly struggling with, like, and this is over the course of the whole day, whether or not I should be alone when I wake up in the morning and go to my dad's memorial. Or I, because I was supposed to go with Ron, and he was supposed to go with me and be there to support me. But now he's, like, gone and out of the picture. And my roommate offered to go, like, a couple of my friends are going. But it's not really the same as, like, having someone that's there specifically, like, as yours, you know? Um, so that was like rough. And so I was drinking a little and then I ended up going over to Dan's house. And as soon as I got to Dan's house, I was like, oh shit, I should definitely not be at someone's house the day before I go do this. Like I'm going to wake up in the morning and he's just going to stay here and this isn't his problem. And I had all these feelings. Um, and I, I did not want to fuck. Um, and then we did and I felt awful. And I know that it's like it's like a weird like psychological thing. Um, and so I was talking to him about the breakup and then he felt really bad. And he's like, yeah, that's why I don't agree with polyamory. And that was the first time he had said those words. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> because polyamorous relationships are the only ones in which breakups occur. Yeah. Is that is that the logic there? Like. Well, I had expressed... Or, or in his mind, polyamory was the reason y'all broke up? And it was. Okay. It was the reason we had broken up. And I was explaining that to him. But up until this point, I had been... I thought that we were, like, building the foundations of a relationship that would be an open relationship. And he was pretty much saying, like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, in those words. Um, and so then I had to decide in that moment at, like... 2.30 a.m. if I was going to sit here with this guy who was kind of a fuckboy to begin with um, and explain to him the lifestyle and what I wanted and try to get him to understand it so that we could go forward or if I was just going to leave right then and there because there's no way I can like I'm going to be up all night if we do this if we start this fight I don't know if he's invested enough in me for that to even matter because um, he starts talking about how he's remained really emotionally detached because he doesn't want to get involved in an open relationship, which happens a lot with mono guys and me, that they're like, okay, well, that's fine, then we'll just fuck. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want. I can get fucked by anyone, you know? Like, not anyone, that's a little conceited. 
but like you know <laughs> sex is not hard to come by for me so sure. i want something that's like even if it's a primarily physical relationship like it's still really important that i have a friendship and emotional support and it doesn't have to be committed it, but it can't be monogamous so so we did a little bit of that and then i kind of started to realize like it doesn't matter what i say this isn't the time to have this conversation and i know that's not what he wants and i'm not gonna stay up all night and then wake up in the morning having that on my shoulders and so i just kind of left um, and that's when I realized that I had had a back-to-back breakup, one right, one each day after the other. Um, and I was thinking immediately about this unique situation that I've put myself in, that I can experience all of this tragedy that's out of my control. Um, and then also two of the guys that I care about the most and I'm spending the most time with can also drop off the map. And then I walk into this next day like a completely single, I mean, it's a freeing experience, but just with that, you know, when you just break up with someone, it's just running through your head, all the things that you might have, or you could have, or you should have. And, um, we're going to talk about that at some point. (laughs) And that's not any of the stuff I want to think about right now because of the actual real tragedy, the non-romantic one of my family. Um, and it, it left my head once I got there and, you know, hung out with my dad's ashes and met, all the all of my dad's family and like everything kind of was put into perspective in that moment knowing that these small breakups with monogamous guys that just wanted to fuck anyway like don't mean anything in the grand scheme of life um but they do mean a lot in the grand scheme of my polyamorous life because i can no longer date monogamous guys and no one can tell me otherwise because i'm so sick of dealing with that shit so then they weren't meaningless oh yeah i guess that's true they didn't mean nothing because I mean, they meant that I learned something. Great right. grandfather if, tree. If you, <laughs> yes, yes, my child. No, if you <laughs> if you take something away from it, then no, they weren't meaningless. I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying. You're saying that compared to the grand tragedy, which was your father passing away, these two guys are small potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but potatoes nonetheless. B- but potassium and starch. Sure, it's great stuff. Um, but the compounding effect that experiencing all three of those tragedies simultaneously made made those two small potatoes seem a lot worse, mm-hmm. I imagine. Or at least just probably they made your, your father's death. It was, it was what, what's the word? Comorbid. It, 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 mm-hmm. it compounded. And comorbid uh, it sounds like a band name that I would like to. I think it's a medical term, actually. Like comorbid oh. symptoms are ones that exacerbate each other. Mm. Yeah, talk dirty big words <laughs> i know how it works um okay so so something i want to touch on real quick is an enemy we we just did honestly um probably the first question that somebody's going to take away from this is is it possible for me as a poly person or as a mono person to cross that fence and date people from the other from the other side um and this is something that i've I, I've, I've been on both sides of that debate. I've yeah. been on both sides of that debate depending on where I am in life and who I'm dating at the time. Um, and I don't know that there's a solid answer to give there. Uh, I think that... And see, my problem with that is that if, if as a poly person, I'm going to date somebody that's mono, they're going to have to be so close to poly that there's almost no distinction. In other words, they have to be okay. Because I'm like you. I don't like... As far as I'm concerned, omission is as close to lying as it's it's it close feels like enough. Cheating. Right, it's close enough to make me uncomfortable. So if I'm gonna 
date somebody, quote on air quotes, date somebody, but I can't tell them about the other really important people in my life for fear of hurting them, that's not a real relationship for me. Or at least it's not going to satisfy any of the emotional intimacy, any of the needs that I have as far as being completely open and honest with somebody. Which is like, one of the perks of poly in the first place. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm right now I'm trying to imagine in my mind's eye the kind of monogamous person that I would be able to date and what kind of characteristics they would have. And I'm honestly not sure. Like, they would need... Like I say, they would need to be so okay with Polly mm-hmm. that, that they might as well be Polly except that they're just not dating anybody else yeah, by, by their own choice. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, right now, I'm in a very cynical place. So I think my sure. thoughts on it are like, fuck no! <laughs> yeah. Run! But, yeah. I mean... It's. I think it's possible. I know it can happen. And for someone who needs it, I'm sure you can make it work. And in my imagination, it's not me going and meeting a guy at a bar and then converting him. It's like a marriage where one of the partners wants to be open and the other doesn't. Or um, like parents that are that are dating and one of them decides that they don't want to date anymore and be home with the kids. And so they kind of shut off that. Like to me, those are the important relationships that actually matter. Not me. Like the, in my context, it's just me being stubborn and thinking that I can change them. But in those situations where you need it to work and you already have so much invested in that relationship that you know, and you love one another, those are the situations in which it can be possible. That's what I believe. So I don't believe that anyone can go out and find a mono person and convert them. But I think that, if you're already in a monogamous relationship and you're trying to turn the switches or if you're already in a polyamorous relationship and trying to turn the switches, that is the situation where it would probably be not only the healthiest, but the most successful in my mind. Um, so no more converting people is what I'm hearing. For from me. You. I mean, if you guys want to go out, I mean, it's like I just remember watching Sex in the City when I was like 12, way too young in my bed at night and thinking, oh, my God, these girls are so stupid. They think that they can change these men. And make them settle down and make (laughs) them, you know, into a monogamous person. And here I am on the other end of that trying to, like, change these men in in the opposite direction. I think think we can all... Yeah, in the exact opposite. That's that's pretty funny, actually. I'd never thought of it that way. The exact opposite. Something went wrong in my brain. Like, all of these women are out there trying to make these men into... If this relationship is going to work, you need to go out there and start whoring around right the fuck now, all right? (laughs) You need to settle down and go. Put up some sports posters. Yep. <laughs> dirty up your room. <laughs> um, and you turn that freedom back on, young man. Yep. Yeah. That's about right. But I mean, that's that's true of any. I feel like most relationships are. A lot are, of compromise. Well, a lot of compromise, but a lot of meeting people that are just, just so close. Not quite right. Mm-hmm. There's just that that final straw that you just can't get over that you can't accept. I'm so lucky to be in a relationship that is easy, that that is the that I have to do nothing like literally just existing, just being who I am satisfies my partner. That is phenomenal. But most of the time in relationships, we find ourselves with somebody that meets about 75% of our needs, but that last 25% slowly outweighs. The majority, it slowly eats away and becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until we can't ignore it. So we either try to change them or or we leave. 
And and I don't think that. So what I'm trying to say is you're not unique. Um, no, I'm trying to say. That I need to hear that every day of my life. <laughs> Otherwise, my head will swell up and explode by the time I'm 24. Your situation is not unique. The the the. What is unique, and, and that's another thing I wanted to get to, is what makes this situation unique? And first of all, it's because it happens simultaneously. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's unique to Polly. You were dating both of these guys simultaneously. You broke up within 48 hours. That's pretty unique. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't typically happen in this and way. it's like, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think I would have learned my lesson if that hadn't happened is what I take away from it for myself, like for personal growth, Mm -hmm. because the stakes are so low for both of those relationships. But what I need is important. And I wasn't, and I, I was reckless with the way that I took care of my needs and who I trusted with my needs. And I never really think of it that way. Like I'm not just, because I am God's gift to men in my eyes. I'm kidding. Uh, But I do often like say like, I will let you do this for me because to me as an independent person, it's difficult for me to let someone take care of those needs. And if I'm, and if I am entrusting someone with them and they fail me, like it's hurtful, but I kind of blame myself more because why on earth would I trust someone like that? You know? Um, so in this situation, I was reckless with who I trusted with my needs and then I lost all of it, you know, like I betted very high and the hand came back, you know, not 21. Um, and so I think that it'll make me more conscientious about who I let take care of me, you know, if anyone needs to take care of me at all, because I'm a mess. What else did you learn about yourself through this? Uh, I learned that I can... Um, I can put so much weight in a bubble bath, you know, <laughs> and that um, tacos are my love language. All right. Yeah. Um, that I am no longer scared to ride on the back of a motorcycle, which I was terrified of before. But now I'm not because I did it a lot. And that I don't care for six packs. Okay. In the context of sex. It's good news for a lot of guys out there. <laughs> uh. Not that they're not cute. They just don't do it for me. Not everybody every, can every be Every dude with a six-pack out there just cringed. That's I'm great. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I'm trying to be body positive, but, you know, sometimes you just... There's stuff that works for stuff that doesn't. Yeah. So for our listening audience... Um, don't be polyamorous. No. Be Polly. Don't be Brit. Don't realize that our culture is heavily entrenched in this idea of monogamy. That so from, much. From day one. From day one with every Disney movie, with every Song. Barbie doll and G.I. Joe, we we are hammered into this heteromonogamous lifestyle. And it's so hard to date. Yeah. I wish I could say that, like, yeah, I'll just go out and find a poly guy from now on. You know, I'll, I'm only going to date poly guys. But are you, do you know how fucking hard that is? There's a small community in Houston from which the pickings are pretty great. But then, like. I was going to say, we're, we're, we're doing better than I would expect in, in the heart of Texas. I would not mm-hmm. have, I would have not have seen this. But That's true. And I, I have met 
a lot of, I'd be, there's always a catch just like with monogamous people, you know, like guys that are poly, but their partner isn't, you know, or, um, women that, that want to open up their relationship, but the man doesn't and stuff like that comes into play a lot. But as far as like, I mean, like there's a good, there's a good community here, but you can't like once you start dating all of them like I could run out of guys pretty quickly you know and then then you're left with the hetero people like you can't go out to a bar and meet poly people like uh, you it's so rare if you do you have found a miracle and they're probably not solo poly they probably have a partner you know so so in your experience I mean as, as somebody from the other side of the looking glass it's impossible for me to find women that don't identify as poly but are okay with poly like that just doesn't that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. as far as i can tell if they're not living the lifestyle then they look at me like i'm a scumbag and i'm just cheating on my partner Mm -hmm. so from the other side of that as somebody that clearly is is capable of finding i mean i don't know where i was going with that point being i don't i don't for me personally, I don't see a way for me to bridge that gap. I don't see a way for me to cross that fence and date on the other side of it because there's just so many incompatibilities between the lifestyles. There's Well, you're here's a way to bridge that is if I could go up to someone in a bar and they could or like a library or a grocery store or wherever I meet men. I'm mostly at bars because I do stand up comedy. <laughs> um, but if I could mention that I'm polyamorous and they have had heard of it before that would make my life so much easier. And one episode at a time, I am trying so desperately to make more people know what the fuck that word means and see it and for what it is. So the idea is hopefully to be able to bridge that gap with education. Um, and for one day for me to walk up to someone who's maybe identifies as monogamous, um, but has heard of polyamory and would like to try it because it's that's a better starting ground I feel than someone who's never heard of it doesn't know if they want it doesn't and they're like okay well maybe we could try it and then every relationship for the rest of my life is just a guinea pig you know mm-hmm. I'm like sure let's try and then whoops not this time I'd rather be fucking single anyway I think single is a great choice yeah it when feels when weight right against now. being with somebody that doesn't work for you honestly I don't yeah. if I were to pick one thing that like if I could teach anybody anything, monogamous, poly or not, it's like, dear God, don't be afraid to be single. If yeah. if the choice is between being single or being with somebody that isn't right for you, then dear God, like, being alone isn't that bad. Yeah. But I can say, on a happier note, I've met a couple um, polyamorous couples that I'm really into and that are super supportive and have that, like, not that we're dating yet, but, like, have that supportive like attitude about love and relationships and like their boundaries for intimacy are well laid out and responsible and um and experiencing that right after all of this has been such a breath of fresh air and it's let me know that it's possible uh, and it's showing me how fulfilling polyamory can be and why I do it um because even in the midst of those relationships I was questioning if I if I was even worthy of love because of the lifestyle I've chosen. And that's the major thing for me is maybe I don't deserve everything. Maybe I can't get what I want. And that's why guys treat me this way. Um, but now in getting, getting surrounding myself with the correct people and being more careful, um, I'm realizing that it's possible and that it can happen. And that 
it will be better for me to do that than to just settle for someone because they fix my tires, you know? And that's a great way to, to tie it up. Uh, w- you know, once again, I, I, I think it's admirable that I, I know so many people that have gone through exactly what you went through and turned their back on the lifestyle because they concluded that it was going to be more of the same and that there was nothing that they could do to change that pattern. But I think that you're, you're walking away from this from a lot of really solid ways to avoid this in the future. Um, so And we'll probably be back in about three months with a similar story. Yeah, <laughs> we look forward to it. And hopefully I will have learned more, um, but we're still going to break up all the time. And I'll be sure to let the polyamory... Um, the Polywana podcast listeners out there whenever something traumatic happens. <coughs> so since since the theme today is on breakups, I want to tag this on with just a couple of little things about dating etiquette within the poly community for anyone that is curious about it. It doesn't apply to this particular situation, but breaking up in the poly community is unique in that you're likely going to interact with that person again. So be kind to each other for Christ's sake. Because word travels fast in small mm. communities. Um, other than that, just I mean the the big thing the big thing uh, the recurring theme that I heard in uh, in Brit's story here is that there was a lot of mismatching of needs, and that's not necessarily a bad thing in Polly as long as you're free to go meet those needs elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Just be honest and communicative with your partners about what needs aren't being met and make sure that they're okay that you go and explore and find those needs elsewhere. And Um, don't constantly be asking yourself if you're a monogamous man dating a polyamorous woman. Um, Man, I hope the need that she needs filled is sex because that's all I have to offer. (laughs) (laughs) Also have something to offer. Also, also have some game. Please offer something besides your dick. Have a personality for crying out loud. I'm dying here. It's way, it's way too much to ask. Oh, the patriarchy has made sure of that. Mm-hmm. Sex, sex is all you need. Just quit, quit your bitching. It's I think fine. that's the uh, that's a Weird Al cover of "Love Is All You Need." Actually, really, sex is all you need. No, it's not. None of that's true. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to the Mockingbird Network um, for having us. Thank you to the Houston Polyamorous Organization for being our beloved sponsors. You can go to HoustonPoly.org. And you can check out some stuff that I've written, some stuff that Johnny has written, and some stuff that a lot of other polyamorous people have written. Resources. Come to the peer discussion group if you want to talk. You can meet me. You can meet Johnny. Um, And email us at polywannapodcast at gmail.com if you would like to learn more and ask more and share your story and come on and hang out. And all right. I love you. Love you guys. Bye. Mocking Bird Network.